Well, welcome everyone. Today is Cinco de Mayo. And one of the most important things to remember from Cinco de Mayo is the good neighbor policy. And for those of you that don't know what that is, there's a video for that from one of my favorite teachers in history, Hip Hughes. Let's take a look at that before I live stream chapter three of the secret circle where humans is a commodity, but for sex is put together. Now, a lot of people are like, this is a lot of footage that we've seen. Yes. Over the years, you've seen it spread out amongst the internet. But what's the problem? The problem is that we can't put it all together. And when you see it in its proper sequence, it tells a story. It's almost as if I say, once upon a time, there was a princess. And then I jump to the seven dwarves did this. And I give you the whole story discombobulated and in pieces over time. You won't know the story. That's the whole part. You have everything you need. We have everything we need. The only problem is we don't have it in the proper sequence to be able to absorb that information correctly. Now, enjoy this uh, short five-minute U.S. history lesson on the good neighbor policy, which was actually what was given birth with the celebration of Cinco de Mayo. Hey guys, welcome to Hipfuse History, where we do the moonwalking and the teaching on the YouTubes. Um, if you're in a history course, guys, and you hear the words good neighbor and you think State Farm, it's not going to end well. So that's what we got up on the platter of learning today. It's the good neighbor policy, 1933 to 1945. So giddy up for that. I hear it right now, like a good neighbor. FDR will be there. So, good neighbor policy, not State Farm. The good neighbor policy was developed by FDR um, from 1933 to 1945. That was to kind of mend fences with Latin America and create new free trade opportunities in order to benefit the United States. You start with a premise with a thesis that whatever we're doing it, we're doing it to hook ourselves up. So, don't be kind of befuddled by the word good neighbor to think this is all about being nice to Latin America. That's part of it, but there's always going to be something, you know, in it for the United States. So, you have to kind of rewind the clock a little bit. I'll take you back to the Monroe Doctrine in 1823. And um, basically the concept is belly rubbing, that the United States is beginning to, you know, kind of industrialize, and we're thinking about new markets and raw materials, and also about European influence in the Americas. We really want the Western Hemisphere, Latin America, to be our hood. So in a sense, I'll explain the Monroe Doctrine as dog piss in the hood. We're kind of marking our territory. We're saying to the rest of the world, my hood! And that really develops into full-fledged imperialism in the late 19th century. You have interventions in Nicaragua, in uh, Haiti, in Cuba, um, in Mexico, in Panama. And really the United States is interfering for our self-interest, usually economically driven, uh, business interests to get um, new routes like the Panama Canal or sugar plantations in Cuba. And really, as the, we progress into the 20th century, by the time we get into the 1920s, really there's a bad taste in the mouth of people that live in the Caribbean and Latin. America. The United States is now seen not as a friend, but as a foe. And really that is hampering our trade negotiations, our ability to have free markets with these, these independent countries. So FDR is trying to kind of reverse that. That's why he calls it the good neighbor policy. Um, that is actually a throwback to Henry Clay. Henry Clay is in the house. Henry Clay is a former Whig. He was a big Whig. <laughs> 
Um, he was Speaker of the House in the 1820s, in the 1840s and 50s. He was Secretary of State for Whig presidents, and he really was the first to kind of coin the term that we should have good neighbor relationships with Latin America because that's going to come back and uh, be beneficial for us. So beginning in 1933, we, uh, we removed troops from Nicaragua. That's something solid that you can point to as an example of the good neighbor policy. Uh, we removed troops from Haiti. We renegotiated a treaty with Cuba, kind of annulling the Platt Amendment from the Spanish-American War um, as Mexico is trying to nationalize um, its foreign oil um, you know companies there we were negotiating for fair prices and we're really uh, trying to create this kind of trade zone um, the US Marines even purchased I believe 20 or 30 ships and uh, passenger ships made of cargo ships so we could have fruits of trade Hollywood got in on the show uh, Carmen Miranda famous kind of Hollywood star that was really planned through the government to have new um, kind of Latin American personalities enter American culture to kind of create this new uh, to create this new relationship, new cultural relationship. So that's basically it. It's going to end in 1945. I would say in 1945 at Yalta we see the end of the good neighbor policy because um, our self-interests have tra changed. Instead of thinking economically, we're thinking about communism and how we can contain communism um, from you know the threat abroad. And that's going to lead to U.S. interventions in uh, Nicaragua. Um, we intervene in Cuba, the Bay of Pigs. The list is pretty long. Remember the thesis, guys. The thesis of self-interest. Whether you're talking Talking about you know um, warning against European influence with the Monroe Doctrine, or protecting new markets and raw materials with imperialism, or now mending fences with the Good Neighbor policy in order to create trade opportunities, and then ending with kind of containment and uh, fearful of communist influence in the Western Hemisphere in what we see as our hood. That's paternalism on a stick of learning. There you go, guys. If you haven't subscribed to Hip Use History, I don't even know what. Well, all of you know how I feel about him, so there you go. The Good neighbor policy was actually something that was born uh, post uh, Cinco de Mayo when they won from the French. It's a pretty interesting policy. We'll unpack that in the coming weeks. Now today I thought I would stream and then delete the um, secret, Cir secret Circle Chapter 3 just so you guys understand what the sex industry is like with humans as commodities. Enjoy. Nothing, Nothing worth, worth doing, doing ever, 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 ever came easy. Following your convictions means you must be willing to face criticism from those who lack the same courage to do what is right. And they know what is right, but they don't have the courage or the guts or the stamina to take it and to do it. It's called the road less traveled. What imprint will you leave in the sands of history? What will future Americans say we did in our brief time right here on Earth?
administration is 100% committed to eradicating human trafficking from the earth. This form of modern-day slavery here in the United States and all around the world. We are dismantling the criminal organizations that make large-scale human trafficking possible. We will not rest until we've stopped every last human trafficker and liberated every last. unstoppable. There should be no fear. We are protected and we will be protected by God. Did we challenge accepted wisdom and take on established systems? I think I did, but we all did and we're all doing it. Or did we just go along with convention, swim downstream so easily with the current? And just give in because it was the easy way, it was the traditional way, or it was the accepted way. I know that each of you will be a warrior for the truth, will be a warrior for our country and for your family. And as long as America remains true to its values, loyal to its citizens, and devoted to its creator, then our best days are yet to come. I can promise you that. Now, that was the introduction. But I wanted to just, before I start this docu, 
YouTube, I'm going to have to take it down because it will be deleted. I want you guys to be very careful <laughs> um, in how you absorb this because this is uh, an extremely alarming compilation. Now, having said that, I want to give you some news. Assange. Assange is still in jail, but you can see that he can write like no other. As you all know, as I told you the other day, we're having a coronation happen. The coronation of King Charles. And of course, Julian Assange made it known of where he sits with that. I'll read you the letter he wrote to His Majesty the King. His Majesty King Charles III. On the coronation of my liege, I thought it only fitting to extend a heartfelt invitation to you to commemorate this momentum, momentous occasion by visiting your very own kingdom within a kingdom, His Majesty's prison, Belmarsh. You will no doubt recall the wise words of a renowned playwright. The quality of mercy is not strain. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. Ah, but what would that bard know of mercy? faced with the reckoning at the dawn of your historic reign. After all, one can truly know the measure of a society by how it treats its prisoners, and your kingdom has surely excelled in that regard. Your Majesty's prison, Belmarsh, is located at the prestigious address of One Western Way, London, just a short fox hunt from the old Royal Naval College in Greenwich. How delightful it must be to have such an esteemed establishment bear your name. It is here that 687 of your loyal subjects are held, supporting the United Kingdom's record as the nation with the largest prison population in Western Europe. As your noble government has recently declared, your kingdom is currently undergoing the biggest expansion of prison places in over a century. With its ambitious projection showing an increase of the prison population from 82,000 to 106,000 within the next four years. Quite the legacy indeed. As a political prisoner held at your majesty's pleasure on behalf of an embarrassed foreign sovereign, I'm honored to reside within the, the walls of this world-class institution. Truly, your kingdom knows no bounds. During your visit, you will have the opportunity to feast upon the culinary delights prepared for your loyal subjects on a generous budget of two pounds per day. Savor the blended tuna heads and the ubiquitous reconstituted forms that are purportedly made from chicken. And worry not, for unlike lesser institutions such as Alcatraz or San Quentin, there is no communal dining in a mess hall. At Belmarsh, prisoners dine alone in their cells, ensuring the utmost intimacy with their meal. Beyond the gustatory pleasures, I can assure you that Belmarsh provides ample educational opportunities for your subjects. As Proverbs 22.6 has it, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. 
observe the shuffling cues at the medicine hatch where inmates gather their prescriptions, not for daily use, but for the horizon expanding experience of a big day out all at once. You will also have the opportunity to pay your respects to my late friend, Manuel Santos, a gay man facing deportation to Bolsonaro's Brazil, who took his own life just eight yards from my cell using a crude rope fashioned from his bedsheets. His exquisite tenor voice now silenced forever. Venture further into the depths of Belmarsh and you will find the most isolated place within its walls. Healthcare, or hellcare, as its inhabitants lovingly call it. Here you will marvel at sensible rules designed for everyone's safety, such as the prohibition of chess, whilst permitting the far less dangerous game of checkers. Deep within hellcare lies the most gloriously uplifting place in all of Belmarsh, nay, the whole of the United Kingdom, the sublimely named Belmarsh End of Life Suite. Listen closely, and you may hear the prisoners' cries of, Brother, I'm going to die in here, a testament to the quality of both life and death within your prison. But fear not, for there's beauty to be found within these walls. Feast your eyes upon the picturesque crows nesting in the razor wire and the hundreds of hungry rats that call Belmarsh home. And if you come in the spring, you may even catch a glimpse of ducklings laid by wayward mallards within the prison grounds. But don't delay, for the ravenous rats ensure their lives are fleeting. I implore you, King Charles, to visit His Majesty's prison, Belmarsh, for it's an honor befitting a king. As you embark upon your reign, may you always remember the words of the King James Bible. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Matthew 5, 7. And may mercy be the guiding light of your kingdom, both within and and without the walls of Belmarsh, your most devoted subject, Julian Assange, Alpha 9379 Alpha Yankee. He sent that letter to the king. And I'd like to read a comment that someone that I admire, and this is coming from someone I respect, the Oz. I guess, in Arkansas. Here's what he had to say to me this morning. This letter written by Julian Assange is a testament to his sharp wit, keen attention to detail, and fine writing capabilities. His use of literary allusions and clever wordplay demonstrates his creativity and intelligence. He weaves seemingly unrelated elements into a cohesive narrative, showcasing his strong cognitive abilities and sharp analytical mind. Despite his current situation, Assange's writing and cognitive abilities remain intact as he asserts his intellect and critical thinking skills in this letter. Furthermore, despite being held in a supermax prison, Julian Assange 
has shown remarkable resilience and strength of character. He has remained steadfast in his beliefs and his commitment to free speech and the pursuit of truth. Despite the harsh conditions and mental strain of prolonged confinement. In fact, his dedication to principles has only grown stronger during this time in captivity, demonstrating his unrelenting pursuit of justice and truth. Julian Assange's resilience in the face of adversity is an inspiration to all who support him and his cause. His unwavering commitment to his principles serves as a reminder that one can maintain their integrity and sense of purpose no matter how difficult the circumstances. Despite efforts to silence him, Assange remains a voice of reason and a beacon of hope for millions around the world. Assange's courage and determination inspires us all to stand with him in his quest for justice and freedom. There is no doubt that his spirit remains unbroken and his intellectual and emotional faculties remain as sharp as ever. Vivat spiritus hunk invictum. Now, I will be deleting my show today because it will be, I already tried uploading it on YouTube. I want you guys to remember Julian Assange is still in prison. This man has been, for those of you that have never been in jail or in prison, right? It is the most difficult thing to be in a place where you have no control over anything you do. It is a way to break you. And that letter was so sharp, so eloquently put together. It just goes to show that his soul is just resonating And I absolutely adore that. Now, for those of you that have a weak mind, not mind, I want to say, a weak ability to digest things in your mind that can be very alarming, please take caution when watching this because many of you have probably seen it over the past six, seven years, sporadically on the internet, talking about humans as a commodity for sex, but this is extremely alarming. So with no further ado, here we go. Every single one of us has a voice, and it's a very, very powerful voice if we would use it for the right things. If we would put our energy in the right place, we could do mighty, powerful things. My name is Allison Leilani Carter. I'm 28 years old, and this is the truth about all of us. Before anybody knew the truth, I blended well. I was a competitive dance teacher, a cheer coach, a special needs dance teacher, young, old, a mentor, a college student, choreographer, and so much more. And then it all changed. puppies and dance and food and I just now started telling y'all the truth 
holding it down for I don't know how long. Okay. If you're, if you're not new to my Instagram, you have seen me post up something about trafficking and snap that shit down in the same second because I was too scared to say something. Now I'm just hot. That 14-year-old girl is me. There's an investigation going on around Jeremy. Anybody want to ask any questions? Nobody? Friends are going to do a memorial for in a series. Her name was Emerald. You hear me when I say her name was Emerald. Me and her, so I always felt like this is my fault. So I'm just, I'm just gonna say this because I need to get it out. But I always felt like this was my fault. It should have been me. It really should have because I got her in trouble. If we really wanted to be honest about it, there's people that hate me. Let me help you out on why they hate me. A lot of people call me a traitor and they hate me and it's all my fault and all this because I was standing right there. I was on an order with her too. Her pimp's name was the Woodman. So for those of you who watch porn, he was very, 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 and probably still is very popular for anal sex. She was on a, we were on a job, and the person that me and her both were supposed to have sex with, I started joking about how small their dick was. She started laughing and jumping on with me, and we started joking and making fun of the John that we had to see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Both of us are black. Or, I'm black. <laughs> both of us, okay? And so this, he was from... I don't know where he was from, but he was from another place. Spoke a really weird language. Where, where he's from, black females are supposed to bow down to the black females. He liked to put your face in the toilet while he was having sex with you because he felt like black females weren't worth. We thought he couldn't understand us. At least I thought. But then again, I had a mouth on me. I still do it. If you haven't noticed, so I started talking and said, like, I don't even give. A because his dick is small anyways. It's not like anything would happen. It's not like anybody's gonna feel anything. We'll walk out of here, we'll be fine. Like, do whatever the f you wanna do because your dick is small. He raped her with his foot. Anally. He killed her. And I had to stand there. And when she called for me, she cried again. And I'll never forget the way that her body looked when they took her out there.
supposed to have somebody in the UK editing it right now. It's on the underground tunnels. It's under the Getty Museum in LA. I didn't want to say nothing yet because I could get killed. You know what? Bring it. <laughs> there is nothing that anybody can try to do to me right now that you have not done. <laughs> you have taken every fucking thing. <laughs> what do you want? to my house this man comes to my house and he jumps the gate and he's scouting my freaking house and he leaves a fake delivery note and he has a bag and if he was if he was real his car is right here he's driving a white car there was no FedEx there are no deliveries that we are expecting this man is looking around my house he leaves by jumping the gate you tell me what FedEx, what USPS, what UPS man has bags and jumps the gate to get a package to someone where there's dogs and a pig. Are you kidding me? He jumps the gate. Look at this. You're kidding, right? Mother or I posted. No one asked. You know what everybody did? What everybody did? What's wrong with our fucked up world? You know what everybody did? Everybody took a second to defend who? Joe Biden. Ron Jeremy, Denzel Washington, Beyonce Knowles, Ellen DeGeneres, Whoopi Goldberg, Lady Gaga, Chrissy T, John Legend, Joan Rivers, Rob Saget. Do you want me to keep fucking going? Biden laptop when he's sleeping with his uh, 14 year old nieces, cousins, family, other children, and possibly my name will come up soon. Why, 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 why? Shots. 
Do you guys remember who Andrew Breitbart was? A powerful force in journalism? Well, he died while walking home one night of what was deemed a massive heart attack. Shortly after this, the coroner who performed the autopsy died of arsenic poisoning. Coincidence? Well, look at Andrew Breitbart's tweet a few months before he died and ask you this, what was he investigating? But before I show you, I just want to add that as reported by Reddit researchers at the time, this tweet could not be found on Twitter using the search function. You had to literally scroll through all the tweets to find it, meaning it was not indexed. Here is the tweet in question. So remember this tweet was put on Andrew Breitbart's account months before he died, and it mentions John Podesta, an underage sex slave operation, and that he's defending some kind of unspeakable dregs. You have to wonder who these unspeakable dregs are, and why Andrew Breitbart was so upset with John Podesta. In fact, here is Andrew Breitbart's opinion of John Podesta in his own words. Take a look. Fuck you, John Podesta. What's in your closet, John Podesta? Big Podesta, big Soros. Fuck you, John Podesta. What's in your closet, John Podesta? Big Podesta, big Soros. Fuck you, John Podesta. laptop, which I don't know if you heard this, I wrote an article about that too, 675,000 Clinton emails when they got Anthony Weiner's laptop in a search warrant because of all his sex perversion issues. It was all the Clinton emails, the Clinton Foundation, her um, Secretary of State emails, Huma Abedin's emails, lots of people emailed Huma as a proxy for Hillary, and it included what Comey called the gulp, sorry, I must wave my hands more than most people, the, um, the golden emails because they were the Blackberry backup emails that they were supposedly just looking for everywhere very diligently. Well, guess what they did when they found them on the Wiener laptop? They got a search warrant for things that didn't include the Blackberry backup emails. So when they told us, when he stood there and said that day, oh, you know, we've we've reviewed all the emails now, there's nothing there, that was a bald-faced lie. They specifically did not look at the BlackBerry backups, and they didn't look at a fraction of the emails on Anthony Weiner's laptop. So one of the things, if I were the president, I'd do is demand the Anthony Weiner laptop and get it to the most trusted person in the military to take apart everything on it and then start using it. There's a lot that can be prosecuted. I have no doubt on that laptop. In fact, I heard that the New York police officers who saw some of it, even though they're hardened investigators, literally had to go throw up. It's bad. Providing counselor services, we have full access to them. Uh, the American ambassador is uh, speaking uh, with uh, uh, his counterparts in the Haitian government. Obviously, this is a matter for the Haitian judicial system. Um, we're going to continue to provide support, as we do in every instance like this, uh, to American citizens who have been charged, and uh, hope that uh, this uh, matter can be resolved uh, in an expeditious way. Okay. 
depuis tout janvier, nous allons manger, 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 nous allons Well, that is the American Daniel Pye in jail in Haiti for five months, as he said, without a single charge. We first brought you this story about two weeks ago. He's 29. He's a Christian pastor running an orphanage with his wife in Haiti and has been for years. Days after we talked to his wife, Leanne, who's, by the way, nine months pregnant, live here in America's newsroom, Danny Pye was released from jail. In his first television interview since then, he's live with us in Sarasota, Florida with one of his little girls. I can't imagine what you went through, and I'm sure you were absolutely elated to be home and reunited with your family. They made an effort to come and talk to the judge in Haiti, all that to no avail. Why were they holding you after you were only trying to do good work in that country? There's no official charges. Um, there's there's lots of, of talk and lots of rumors of, of why the reasons were. Um, but uh, they I was arrested actually just two different times and held for five months uh, in the jail um, with with the charges of, of contempt of court and, and false documents were the official charges. But um, they, they never came into they, they was never charged with them. But those are the accusations. So, so what did the judge come around to? Why release you? He um, he was uh, uh, he was actually transferred and, and uh, ended up being demoted. But uh, his last his last active service was was releasing me um, for several different reasons. He, he had a lot of pressure from from the from his boss as well as uh, had a lot of attempts from our kids and a lot of a lot of people contacting him and, and pretty much pleading for my release. Wow, what are you wearing on that shirt there? It looks like some signatures or some autograph. What is that? My kids made this for me for Christmas, so it's all of their signatures, and they all wrote a little message to me of just saying they're loving me, and they, they're praying for me, and, and so the shirt that was sent to me on Christmas Day by, by them, they all wrote their names and a small message to me. Well, the, the, the prayers worked. How's your wife doing? Has she given birth? She's doing great. She did. She, uh, she gave birth to our son yesterday afternoon, Joseph Daniel, um, healthy, beautiful baby boy. Uh, yesterday afternoon, successful childbirth. So. That's great. Well, Ryan has, has, a, has a sibling to play with now. Uh, tell Ryan hello. Yeah. Wait, okay. And uh, best to you, Danny, for your time today, and give Thank our you. best to Leanne. Congratulations. Welcome home. It's nice to see you healthy. Thanks. Great Sex, a former Liberty Hill High School educator, is accused of sexually assaulting at least four children in an orphanage he ran in Haiti. The Department of Justice says the abuse happened between 2008 and 2011, when Daniel Pye would fly back and forth to that country. KXN's Lauren Kravitz has more on the investigation. She also spoke to a Liberty Hill woman who knew Pye. I feel sick to my stomach when you told me that. Learning that her former neighbor, 35-year-old Daniel Pye, is accused of sexually abusing children. This is his public Facebook profile. Scary. This woman doesn't want to show her face, but she says her son would go over to Pye's house to play with his daughter and another boy he was fostering. There's a limit where I could, you know, watch them and be safe, that they're safe and secure. According to a federal complaint, investigators received a tip in 2015. They learned three girls in Pye's orphanage told a couple who worked with Pye that he sexually abused them. All of them were between 6 and 14 years old at the time. One victim said the abuse continued for several years. After the alleged abuse, Pye began working for the Liberty Hill School District in 2013. Pye worked in the Liberty Hill School District for three years and left about a year ago. The school district says he mainly worked here at the high school as an instructional aide, but they also say he helped with the district's behavior program and drove a school bus. The district says he left on good terms and was never disciplined. If Pye is found guilty in the Haiti cases, this neighbor hopes he's punished for the victim's sake. I hope the, the girls get their, the justice. I mean, you know, they deserve it. Lauren Kravitz, KXAN News. Right now, Pye lives in Arkansas, but he has also lived in Florida. Investigators say they interviewed four other people from Florida who said Pye sexually assaulted them when they were between five and seven years old, between 1996 and 1999. Laws targeting child sex tourism came about in 2003 as part of the Federal Protect Act. that stands for prosecutorial remedies and other tools to end the exploitation of children today. The charge in this case is travel with intent to engage in illicit sexual conduct. 
carries a maximum sentence of 30 years. Ten Americans have been detained by Haitian police as they tried to bus more than 30 children across the border into the Dominican Republic, allegedly without proper documents. We had 33 children uh, from the age of two months to 12 years. Um, and in the, in the course of the um, time frame we had them with us, um, honestly, the entire team deeply fell in love with these children. They're very, very precious kids. They have lost their homes and their families and are so, so deeply in need of, most of all, God's love and His compassion and, and just um, a very nurturing setting. The Americans are Baptist church members from Idaho, and they were planning to take the children to the Dominican Republic, where they planned to establish an orphanage. The group's leader, Laura Silsby, says the group paid no money for the children and obtained them from a well-known pastor who heads a religious ministry in Haiti. Our understanding was that we were told by a number of people, including Dominican authorities, that, that we would be able to bring the children across I understand that. Sir, that's the mistake obviously we made is we did not understand that there was additional paperwork required. Haiti now requires its Prime Minister to personally authorize the departure of any child from the country as a way to prevent child trafficking. And the Americans will go before a judge on Monday. The children are being cared for by SOS Children's Villages, a global nonprofit organization that's operating in Haiti. Sophia Manners, the Associated Press. Contrary to reports in the mainstream and now alt media, that the crowdsourced investigation labeled by some as Pizzagate did not begin with internet sleuths digging through the WikiLeaks Podesta files and releases looking for pizza parlors and encoded language discussing human trafficking. It began with the shocking discovery that Hillary and Bill Clinton provided assistance to convicted child trafficker Laura Silsby, resulting in a reduced sentence for child trafficking. Now I'm sharing this with you from William Craddock, a disobedient media who wrote, Silsby was arrested at the Haitian border attempting to smuggle 33 children out of Haiti without documentation. Her sentence and charges were reduced after an intervention by Bill Clinton. In the aftermath of Silsby's arrest, her originally retained lawyer Jorge Puelo was also arrested in connection with an international smuggling ring accused of trafficking women and minors from Central America and Haiti. Allegations of prostitution and pedophilia and allegations that those crimes were somehow covered up or not looked into. So the State Department this morning is having to respond to those claims. The revelation of this news was either ignored by Western media or attacked by Clinton-controlled publications. If Mr. Stranahan is unfamiliar, let us remind him that Laura Silsby is the former director of the New Life Children's Refuge and emails from her organization can be found in the WikiLeaks Hillary Clinton email archive discussing the NGO before her arrest. Silsby's organization also appears in Clinton's emails soliciting donations for their quote-unquote ministry. Silsby was reported to have a history of bad debts and unpaid wages. Mr. Stranahan, this isn't fake news, it's just news. On January 29, 2010, Silsby was arrested with nine other American nationals attempting to steal 33 children from the country, most of whom were not even orphans and had families, according to some reports. CNN reported on February 9, 2010, that this was not the first time Silsby had attempted to traffic children out of Haiti. Haitian police acting on a tip had intercepted Silsby in an earlier separate attempt to remove 40 children out of the country. She was turned back at the Haitian border. For a brief period, Haitian authorities were considering adding a new kidnapping charge based on this evidence. Hillary and Bill Clinton took an extraordinary interest in Silsby's case from the moment she was arrested and almost immediately stepped in on her behalf. Mr. Stranahan, that's not fake news, that's just news. And as it relates to Pizzagate, let's dig a little deeper. Here's an NBC News report from 2013, Mr. Stranahan, which you may find interesting if you actually care about pedophilia, child trafficking, and the investigation into these claims. Some serious allegations this morning facing the State Department. That's right. According to internal State Department memos, the agency might have called off or intervened an investigation into possibly illegal and inappropriate behavior within its ranks, allegedly to protect jobs and avoid scandals. This concerns the time that Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. We want to get right to NBC's Chief White House Correspondent, Chuck Todd, with the latest. Chuck, good morning. 
morning to you. Good morning, Savannah. You know, there's an old saying in Washington that the cover-up is worse than the crime. But in this case, both parts of it are disturbing. Allegations of prostitution and pedophilia and allegations that those crimes were somehow covered up or not looked into. So the State Department this morning is having to respond to those claims and those investigations uh, of misconduct by State Department officials, including by an ambassador and security agents attached to then-Secretary of State Hillary Clinton. And the allegations are that these investigations were whitewashed, quashed altogether, and that those orders came from high up. NBC News has obtained documents related to ongoing investigations into some disturbing allegations involving State Department personnel and at least one ambassador. A State Department memo says the ambassador, quote, routinely ditched his protective security detail in order to solicit sexual favors from both prostitutes and minor children. The memo also says a top State Department official directed department investigators to, quote, cease the investigation. <laughs> Has any other troops, any other soldier, any, anyone been, uh, uh, the, the, the allegations have been substantiated? We need to do much more to enhance uh, the systems of criminal accountability for which essentially the member states uh, are responsible. Si wala nang tibaw kung sinodon si Tisulinta Mashi, kunya, tigyo minister Tirelem, kunya, mingkuti Tirelem na, liyosu mubala kunya, mjimpabiyo, mingkuti altumit mesun. Nós não tivemos nenhum caso concreto de assédio sexual, violência sexual praticada por brasileiros no Haiti. Logicamente que sempre há um boato ou outro e nós procuramos investigar, mas jamais encontramos fatos concretos. The United Nations is doing everything. The United Nations is doing everything we possibly can to assist the victims, to bring accountability and justice for them, and hopefully to prevent these cases from, or any such cases from recurring. UN personnel are not just encouraged; they are actually obliged uh, to report any allegation of sexual exploitation and abuse that they become aware of. They are obliged to report it, and any failure to report that is not only a transgression of their responsibilities to the UN, it makes them complicit. Denzel Washington, Beyonce Knowles, Ellen DeGeneres, Whoopi Goldberg, Lady Gaga, Chrissy Teigen, John Lennon. Public place, you did it. Is this the best or the worst? What do you do? The best. Okay, the best. Um... Probably the Obama thing. <laughs> John, what's the oh God? Oh God, John, John, what? What? What is? What is your wife talking about? I don't know. Rob, second, do you
But uh, like I said, I know things that your average person has no idea about. Last week, a Secret Service agent told Cassandra Fairbanks that Biden would, quote, mess with every single woman or team, and that a Christmas get-together at the VP's house had to be cancelled, quote, because Biden would grope all of our wives and girlfriends' asses. He also said that the service often had to protect female agents from him, and that Biden was prone to parading around the VP residence late at night with no clothes on. I mean, stark, naked, Weinstein-level stuff, said the agent. During one alleged incident in 2009, Biden cupped the breast of a Secret Service agent's girlfriend during a photo, prompting the agent to shove Biden and almost hit him. The agent was subsequently suspended for a week, according to the source. Men would often stand in front of female agents and Navy women or create false pretenses to have them leave the room just to get them away from Biden, according to the agent. Best-selling author Ronald Kessler previously claimed in his book that Biden was fond of swimming naked and that female Secret Service agents found that offensive. Congress has paid out $17 million in secret settlements to victims of sexual harassment. Now again, this is just an accusation, but former Trump campaign official James Brower claims that Joe Biden is one of the individuals named in these sealed settlement deals. It would be incredibly naive to think that this isn't going to come up if Biden runs for president in 2020. Indeed, many on the left are terrified that it could sink Biden's campaign and hand Trump a second term. The Huffington Post, Salon.com and The Daily Beast have all put articles recently begging Biden not to run for Foster fathers who in turn abused her. 
age of 13, Allie was trafficked first into strip clubs, then the Hollywood party scene. She says that she endured stalking, poisoning, and police harassment. And most incredibly of all, she says that this is a system that major American celebrities have knowledge of and participate in. Celebrities like John Travolta, Beyonce, Barack Obama, and yes, Joe Biden. In July of 2020, Ali stepped forward to tell her story. Instagram tagged that account as, quote, unsafe for the election and blocked it. Like we said, this is a horrific story. And we will not silence Allie Carter. We want to learn all about it, and she joins us now. Allie, thank you so much for being here. So the names that you just mentioned, Barack Obama, Stephen Tyler, Joe Biden, Michelle Obama, have you had personal sexual experiences with these people? Yes. These people participated in sex abuse firsthand with you? Yes. Can you tell that story? Because that's important for people to understand and, and to know. And to this point, I don't think a national platform has given you the opportunity to say those things. No, because everybody is complicit. It, it, everybody is complicit. It is covered up by your local FBI. It is covered up by your local police department. It is underground tunnels. There's a whole world. Um, it's a different way of life. There's every source of transportation. When I met Joe Biden, um, I was rushed through many celebrities. Um, half of them I did not know. Um, I didn't. I didn't. It didn't phase me to see them. It didn't. Um, some of them were actually very conceited and cocky that I didn't know who they were. Um, underground, under the Getty Museum in Los Angeles, there are many tunnels. Um, Again, there's there's a way, there's a way of transportation. There's every single way of transportation under the ground. Um, I was sold to Joe Biden um, multiple times. Uh, <laughs> sometimes people don't talk about it because when you don't talk about it, it makes it okay. When you don't talk about it, it makes you bury it. When you don't talk about it, it's easier and it kills that part of you. Um, I was sold for blowjobs. I was sold for sex. Um, there is many people who trade to eat, beat, and rape children under the ground. Um, I have many friends that I've lost and I have many people that I've met that didn't make it, um, that refer to me as a traitor. Uh, and that's because and they're still dealing with this right now to this day. Yes, there are millions just like me. There are millions worse off than me. There are millions that people cut off their limbs so they don't fight them back when they rape them. There are millions that they take pleasure in, in draining their blood and, and using it as a source of a fountain of youth. People have many sick fetishes. And the Hollywood elite, we sign their paychecks. We sign all of their paychecks every single day. <laughs> This is this, when you stream their music, when you when you buy something from their brands, we've signed their paychecks. And these are the people that have put something in your face and made you want to believe that you are the ones that are responsible to make them look the way they look. Their image is not what you think it is. They're sick, evil people. This is something that has only recently become accepted by a large amount of people. Until now, a lot of people would look at you, Ali Carter, and say, you're crazy. 
And is that what these people at CPS held over your head and said, you're going to go to Arizona? You keep talking crazy like this. We're very concerned about your mental health. Is the gaslighting something that they did to try to make you doubt your own experiences, your own personal knowledge of what it was that was going on, the horrific tragedy that you were experiencing? I mean, is that what they yes, would do? Is that the tactics? Pain. Yes, I was taught pain is pleasure. I was taught that you are not spoken, you do not speak unless you're spoken to. I was taught that as a, as a foster care kid, you have nothing but what's in your trash bag that you carry from home to home when you're evicted from foster home to foster home. I was in over 19 high schools in one year. I never stayed in a place longer than a month. I was never in a home. I was moved all around because nobody wanted to talk about it. Nobody wanted to do anything about it. The California Ombudsman was contacted. My, my foster mother, that is now my adopted mother, I'm adopted now, um, she went to everyone. She went to the police, she went to the California Ombudsman, she went to private investigators, she talked to judges, attorneys, lawyers. She went to everyone and everyone shut her down. There was no, no help whatsoever. She was made out to be the crazy one. I was made out to be the crazy one. I was a high-risk kid. I was moved from foster homes to level 14 lockdown group homes. And every single time something happened, every single time, I came in with, with cracked ribs, with bruises, with bites, with with <laughs> rape kits, beyond rape kits. No one did anything. I went from shelter to shelter, from CPS report to CPS report. And CPS is your cover-up. CPS is corrupt. CPS buys and sells and trades children. That is their major facade. There are some good social workers out there. And there are some social workers that know that they cannot speak on things, they cannot do certain things, and they have to abide by certain rules. Because if you don't, you will be abused too. Just like there is in the Brotherhood of Freemason Cops. There is a secret society in the, in the Freemason Cops as well. We are not safe. We have been threatened, harassed, stalked, and hunted down because I mentioned that I was trafficked under the Getty Museum. I have so much evidence. I have so much information, but I don't know who to give it to and I don't know who to honestly talk to because there's nothing that has come of it. I don't know if Trump is going to do something because that's the only reason why I do have something to believe in Trump because he has given money to trafficking organizations, but 501c3s are cover-ups too. So what exactly and where exactly is this money going and is there any really help? Because there's not while we're out here, we have been there has been a, or our gate have been, uh, we have been, our house has been broken into, I'm sorry. Our animals have been killed. We have been away from our home for, for a year. We can't go back without uh, police coming out and asking us where we have been. We have been stopped and pulled over in eight states without a ticket, without a warning, and without any logical reason. They just want to know where our car is. What time will we be back? Where are we parked? And how long, how long will we be out? And how much money do we have? This is not normal. And everybody knows that something is wrong. So when you say that Trump has given money to trafficking organizations. You mean organizations that fight trafficking, right? Human trafficking. I just want to make sure that I understand that. He's not participating in funding human sex trafficking. No, that's not what I believe and no, that is not what I've ever heard. Um, I, I believe that Trump has done something because he is the only president that has mentioned it. And Trump is the only person that I haven't seen, to be honest with you. So firsthand, these people were in a room with you and had, they raped you. I, I mean, there's no other, I wanna be absolutely 100% candid. Barack Obama, yes. Joe Biden, these people raped you. And you say that you have these mountains of evidence that nobody wants to look at. What evidence do you have? We have police reports, we have rape kits, we have information, we have videos, we have so much. But again, there's so much that I can't put completely out there and I have mountains of it. But I do understand that, um, when I was when I was 16, I ran away from CPS. This is how I escaped. I was auctioned to Russia. Um, I knew that if I went to Russia with this man, that I would not come back and I would die. So I ran away and I hid for a year. Um, I did what I had to do, and I can't say exactly what I had to do because it would put some people in danger. Uh, 
but I'm here and I'm alive. Um, and w at, during this time, uh, my pimp sent fake FBI to homes to interrogate, to disrupt the neighborhood. But when the suspects that they, they thought were the ones that were guilty and called them back, they didn't want anything. They didn't want to talk. Um, they just wanted to see exactly where I was. Uh, it didn't end from there. It hasn't ended at all. I'm 27 years old now, and it should be done because if this was just about sex, if this was just about money, this would be over, but this is not what this is about. MK Ultra exists. Uh, DID exists. This hell Ex exists. Explain that for people who don't understand what that really means. So what is this really all about? It's all about power and control. Uh, MK Ultra is a mind control programming. Um, it happens to Hollywood elites. It is happening right now to Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, um, many celebrities just like them. Uh, but nobody understands and nobody knows because it's, it's, it's a part of control. It's like someone has the remote to someone's life and no one knows who's pushing the buttons. Um, disassociative identity disorder happens when you have nowhere to go with the trauma, when you have nowhere to go with the pain. So your mind splits and shatters into a million pieces with those people uh, that have had to take a part of the pain and do what they have to do to stay alive. All over the place, every city, they link to houses, they link to the ocean, they link to so much. And you wouldn't believe it, but you know what? I'll save that for you little ghosts who feel like, you know, Go bite it, one take, one take. Yeah, I want to go, I want to go all the way to jail, that's what I want. Production selling their organs. Uh, some of the kids are they're, they're horribly deformed. Their eyes didn't develop. Their ears didn't develop. They never seen light. I'm not going to get into all the gory details. I'm can use your own imagination for the horror. But that's what's going on under those tents in New York. Yeah. So, um, so it's a friend of my mom's. She's a nurse. She's 69 years old. She volunteers. So apparently, um, she is working in a MASH type unit in Central Park. And I don't know what all the details of what she told my mom. I don't know if it's more than what I've already told you, but she just said the thing with the kids, it's real. And I have to tell you, it's horrible. It's so horrible. And she said, please everybody, we pray for those children and for the medical. I, uh, I love those barrettes in her hair, man. I'll tell you what, you look at her, she looks like she's 19 years old, sitting there and, you know, like a little lady in a race car. Yeah. Um, hey, real quick, Joan Rivers, somebody said, Joan Rivers told us about Michelle Obama. Joan Rivers is Michelle Obama's best friend, that's why. Well, she was, of course, yeah. Do you think that the country will see the first, the United States will see the first gay president or the first woman we'll president? Have it with Obama. So, let's just calm down. Got it. No, Michelle is a trans. I'm sorry, she's a what? Transgender. We all know. Oh my gosh. How can, how is it, how can these people cross Biden's sense of the Do you notice that every person that was on Jeffrey Epstein's case, including the judge, including the judge's kid, was killed? Hillary had to be protected. Very clear violations of the Espionage Act and really no issue about intent despite President Obama proclaiming otherwise. And of course you realize the reason that Hillary had to be protected was because he was writing her on that secret server using an alias, which shows that he damn well knew and had approved in advance her use of the secret unsecured server. Personal thank you to Reverend Pastor 
James David Manning for showing up for his support. Thank you so much for being here. It means a great deal. Good afternoon. My name is Larry Sinclair. I have lived and worked under three different legal names. My birth name is Lawrence Wayne Sinclair. Later on, I had my name legally changed first to Lorai A. Silvas and later to Lorai Vizcarra Avila. Both name changes were conducted legally in the Pinal County Superior Court, Florence, Arizona. I legally returned to my birth name in the Fremont County District Court, Canyon City, Colorado in the year of 1997. In regards to the Obama incident, I flew out of Colorado Springs, Colorado to Chicago on November 2nd, 1999, arriving in O'Hare early in the morning of November 3rd. I went to the Chicago area to attend the graduation of my godson, my best friend's son, from basic training from the Great Lakes Navy Training Facility. I made reservations at the Comfort Inn and Suites in Gurney, Illinois, based solely on the location to the training center. On November 5th, 1999, I hired the services of Five Star Limousine. I had hired them both for November 5th and November 6th of 1999. On November 6th, 1999, I asked the limo driver, whose name I now reveal for the first time, Jagir Paramit Mutani, if he knew anyone who would like to socialize and show me Chicago. Mr. Mutani understood that I was looking for someone who knew Chicago and would enjoy socializing. Mr. Mutani said he knew someone who was a friend of his. On November 6, 1999, after picking me up at the hotel in Gurney, and this is significant, Mr. Mutani used his cell phone to make a call. That call was made to then Illinois State Senator Barack Obama to set up an introduction between myself and Senator Obama. Upon arriving at the bar and exiting the limo, Senator Obama was standing next to Mr. Mutani, and I was introduced to Senator Obama by name. Later that evening in a bar, which I believe was called Alibis, and I state believe because I have failed so far to get Citigroup to provide the credit card receipts that has the actual name. <coughs> I mentioned I could use a line or two to wake up. Senator Obama asked me if I was referring to Coke, and I stated I was. After stating I was, Obama stated he could purchase cocaine for me and then made a telephone call. This too is significant from a cell phone to a presently unknown individual during which Senator Obama arranged the cocaine purchase. Senator Obama and I then departed the bar in my limousine and proceeded to an unknown location where Senator Obama exited the limousine with $250 which was provided to him by me. Returned a short while later with an eight ball of cocaine which he gave to me. I did ingest a couple of lines of cocaine and shortly thereafter Senator Obama produced a glass cylinder pipe and packet of crack cocaine from his pocket. Obama then smoked the crack cocaine. I performed fellatio on Senator Obama in the limousine during the time Senator Obama was smoking crack cocaine after which I had the driver take me to my hotel, the Comfort Suites of Gurney, Illinois. The following day, November 7th, 1999, Senator Obama appeared at my hotel room, unannounced, uninvited, where we again ingested cocaine and I again performed fellatio on Senator Obama. Significantly, both the driver's telephone call to Senator Obama and his call to the drug dealer should appear on the driver's and Senator Obama's cell phone billing statements. In the fall of 2007, September 2007, I contacted the presidential campaign of Barack Obama to request solely that Senator Obama publicly correct his stated drug use record to, collect, <coughs> excuse me, to reflect his use of crack cocaine with me in November of 1999. When I made the first contact, I left with the presidential campaign of Senator Obama a telephone number for the campaign to return my call. The first number I provided was a Texas cell phone number. From the period of Labor Day weekend 2007 through November 18th of 2007, I did provide a total of four different callback numbers to the Obama campaign. As I had moved and I had changed the numbers to, to reflect locally my place of residence at the time. In late September to early October 2007, I received a call from a male who identified himself as a Mr. Young. 
stating he was calling in regards to calls I had made to the Obama campaign. The first call was in fact an attempt by Mr. Young to obtain from me the identities of anyone I contacted concerning my 1999 allegations against Senator Obama. The first call shocked me in that this Mr. Young asked me why I had not asked Senator Obama to disclose the sexual encounters I had with Mr. Obama in 1999. I was shocked as I had never mentioned to the campaign or anyone working for the campaign any sexual encounters as my call was prompted by drug allegations only. The call ended with Mr. Young stating I would hear from someone in a few days. In mid to late October 2007, I received a second call from this Mr. Young, at which time I clearly became aware that this individual was personally involved with Senator Obama rather than just an employee of his campaign. The tone of the conversation had a sexual nature. Mr. Young did not once advise me how he obtained my phone number, which by this time had now changed to a Delaware number. In late October 2007, I received a text message from the gentleman identified as Mr. Young, in which he stated he was intimately involved with Senator Obama and that Obama was discussing with him and his pastor how to publicly acknowledge Senator Obama's drug use in 1999, and that Obama wanted to be sure I had not discussed the sexual encounters or drug incidents with any media at that time. In mid to late November 2007, in another text message from Mr. Young, he advised me that Senator Obama will publicly correct his statement as to the last time he used drugs, and I did not need to concern myself with publicly disclosing it myself. The last contact I had with Mr. Young was in early December 2007, when he made it clear to me that Senator Obama had no intentions of publicly acknowledging his 1999 use of crack cocaine, and that Mr. Young was in fact doing nothing more than milking information from me for Senator Obama's use. I later learned that a Donald Young, choir director of Reverend Wright's Trinity United Church of Christ, Obama's now former church, and who was openly homosexual, learned that he was murdered on December 23rd of 2007. Massive financial settlement appears to be in the works for a series of sexual misconduct lawsuits involving disgraced Hollywood producer Harvey Weinstein. This is a major development in the case that helped launch the Me Too movement. He calls himself John of God, but there's nothing godly about him. A friend of mine introduced me to John of God. Three months after I joined, he started abusing me. I was 16. He'd take my panties off and do it. That's how I got pregnant. I asked for his help and he gave me some medicine. I thought it was a form of treatment, but it was meant to kill my baby. New allegations and video have surfaced in the Tony Robbins sex scandal. Several more women are accusing the self-help guru of inappropriate behavior. And you can also add the use of racial slurs to that list. As long as somebody's called you if that kind of response I see you right now, you're ready to explode, and what you've done is given that person absolute control of you. Throughout my childhood, I was a victim of Australia's VIP child sex trafficking ring. For example, I was prostituted to pedophile parties at Parliament House Canberra and to an international leader at Fairbairn Military Airport. The people involved in this elite pedophile ring included high-ranking politicians, police and judiciary. From the late 1980s, I reported my abuse experiences to multiple healthcare professionals, not one of whom adhered to mandatory reporting requirements. I reported to New South Wales Police in 2008. I reported to the Royal Commission in 2012. I reported to Operation and Test in Canberra. I made formal witness statements to New South Wales Police and have agreed to do more. I've reported directly to the New South Wales and Federal Police Commissioners and to the New South Wales Court. I have provided sufficient names, times, dates and places for authorities to investigate. My experiences were horrific beyond words. I witnessed child abduction, torture, rape, murder. But the way I've been treated for reporting the crimes I've witnessed and experienced has been far worse than my original abuse experiences. 
victims endure the most miserable childhoods. We then spend the rest of our lives paying for the crimes committed against us. Victims are constantly placed under excessive scrutiny. If we can't provide a precise time and date for something that happened 40 years ago, we put liars. If we get emotional, we label crazy. If we are vocal, we're just attention seekers. It's time to focus our attention away from victims and onto those responsible for the crimes against children. In the 2006 census, Australians identified child protection as their number one concern. Why then does our government continue to ignore the public's concern for children? Australia is a pedophile haven. Our laws are written, interpreted and administered in a way that benefits pedophiles and silences victims of crime. Our university lecturers teach pro-pedophilia material. Our health boards continue to allow offending doctors and psychologists to practice. We are up to our second Royal Commission into Child Abuse in 20 years. The Wood Royal Commission was indeed a failure. If it was successful, I wouldn't be standing here right now. The Wood Royal Commission was established in response to complaints about the VIP pedophile ring that abused me. This is the exact same elite pedophile ring that I reported to the current Royal Commission. In 2013, I asked the Royal Commission, what are you going to do differently to the failed Wood Royal Commission? They had no answer for that. If the Royal Commission does not result in the investigation and prosecution of the VIP pedophiles that victims like me have named, then they are just information gathering. I know you want me to stand here and name names. Yet to concentrate on the names serves to shift the focus from the entire reason I'm standing here. I have provided the names to the authorities. It is their responsibility to combine my information with what other victims have presented and properly investigate. And now I will give you some VIP names. Michelle. Michelle was a friendly 12-year-old with long dark hair. I witnessed her abduction, rape and murder when I was six years old. Samantha. Samantha was nine years old with wavy long brown hair and a warm smile. She had Down syndrome. Samantha was murdered when I was 12 years old. Chloe. Chloe was an attractive four-year-old with brown straight cut hair into a bowl with sea green eyes. Chloe was murdered when I was 14 years old. Don't make this about me. Focus on those victims who couldn't be here today to personally share what happened to them at the hands of the VIP pedophiles who have infiltrated Australia's supreme institutions. Turn left field here. An unbroadcast section of a BBC radio interview you did in 1978 recently came to light, included on a, a Bill album. And you were talking about making a film where you kill famous people. Now, it's never been played on television before, but it has a particular uh, relevance. Let's listen to this. So, what's it on the corner list? Oh, it's endless, believe me. I just want to make a film of it. On film, I'd like to kill Jimmy Savile. I think he's a hypocrite. When I write, I think he's into all kinds of seediness that we all know about, but we're not allowed to talk about. I know some rumours. <laughs> I bet none of this would be allowed out. I should imagine libel stuff would be allowed out. Nothing I said is libel. Sounds a bit harsh doing death list there. Well, but actually, sometimes you're contentious in life just because you're bored of that product. But, but that put aside that. Moment. Put aside the, the, the rhetoric you were using. The fact that in 1978, at the height of the Sex Pistols explosion, there you are saying about Jimmy Savile, he was into all kinds of seediness that we all knew about. We weren't allowed to talk about it. I know some rumours. So you, you had heard the kind of thing that we now know about him or, yeah. or stuff like that? Yeah. No, I think most kids did too. Most kids wanted to go to the top of the pops, but we all knew what that cigar muncher was up to. But I'm very, very bitter that the likes of Savile and the rest of them were allowed to continue. Did you ever try and do anything about Savile? I did my bit. I said what I had to. Did they air that? No. It just got suppressed? Yeah. For legal reasons? Yeah. 
and uh, you I, I, found myself, I found myself being banned from BBC Radio there for quite a while for my contentious behaviour. Because of that they wouldn't state this directly. There'd be other excuses. And it's shocking. Oh, yeah. He got away with it for another 30 odd years. Well, not only him, the whole bunch of them. And these are the purveyors of good taste, huh? You were too offensive. Brilliant, isn't it? Well, I'm still here, and the rest of them, what, what are still alive, nice bit of jail time for them. Jail time! I have to read this. Uh, the BBC has said it's appalled by Saffold's crimes and that the Dame Janet Smith Review is considering the culture and practices of the BBC during that period. The biggest, the biggest story, story of our generation, generation is unfolding in the UK to make complete silence in the international, international corporate, corporate media. media. The UK media that coverage is all depicted as a sex scandal committed by child lovers. What the UK media depicts is child sex has left children missing the lower half of their bodies. These so-called six scandals involve children provided for torture as they to blackmail political opponents in Northern Ireland. The UK has opened files on 200 missing boys from 1977 and 1983. The investigation has so far involved the huge circle of UK establishment from media, politicians, police and intelligence, known to police as the untouchables. There are international ties being ignored. To the people of the UK, your ruling classes are preying on you. Not just in the ways you always knew they were. Our friends in the UK, just like our friends in Gabon, have a political class that is torturing and murdering their children and mutilating their bodies. Unlike in Gabon, the UK media is following the direction of the pedophile information exchange and telling you these people are child lovers who need understanding and tolerance. They are telling you this is sex. Who controls the words controls your thoughts. This is not sex. These people feed off the agony of others, because wars and destruction during their working hours and they torture and murder children as recreation. These are not child lovers. These are death eaters. To the people of the world, this story is not limited to the UK. Unlike us, death eaters have no borders. Human trafficking is the biggest criminal industry in the world. Death eaters have global networks. Resistance is existence. We are anonymous. We are everywhere. We are legion. We are those you have left without a home. We are those you have murdered. We are voiceless no more. The world will change. We changed it. Tyrants of the world, expect us. Joe Biden has a water island. Jeffrey Epstein had an island. Zuck, Facebook owner, he has an island. Guess what neighboring island he's on? He neighbors right next to Water Island. It's a kid island. Go figure. What does he own? Our social media. Ain't that funny? The man who has everybody's location, privacy, and your, your, your pictures that you posted every 10 years, yeah, that's the one who owns an island right next door to Joe Biden and Jeffrey Epstein. happening in here that's right it's brackets and jackets bringing it back for brackets and jackets special epstein island edition that's right folks epstein jeffrey epstein the man with the island which is suspiciously close to haiti that's right you see this man 
Jeffrey Epstein is funding lots of people. He's funding lots of people on the street to make sure his shit doesn't get out. That's right. They want the record deal. Yeah, they're paying a lot of people. Epstein's paying a lot of people. Oh boy. For one, he's got a whole massage video matrix in America. And I would bet you anything that Alex Jones is one of them. Prove me wrong. That's right, Cappy's in the portal. Cappy's in the portal. Cappy's in the building with songs about Epstein. It's Reverend Jackets Epstein Edition. Guys, I had some epiphanies today. I had some real big epiphanies about some guys. A big network of guys and spies and lies and liars. All right, think about this for a minute, okay? The guy in Portland, the scientist that just got busted for producing CP, that guy is one degree of separation away from Epstein. Epstein, the investor that lives in West Palm Beach, Florida. I know a guy who lives in West Palm Beach, Florida as well. Investor as well. Also involved as well. And all is not well with these guys. The Florida boys, the Glow boys, the Scott Israels of the world. You see, Epstein is Hillary Clinton. And Epstein is Haiti. And Epstein is a big network of media assets. By the way, did you know that Steve Bannon is going to that guy for money? Also, Epstein is Epstein Oprah. Epstein is uh, Chris Tucker. You remember him. Epstein is also Kevin Spacey. Epstein is also Prince Andrew. Epstein is also... Who else is Epstein? Who else is Epstein? Tell me. You guys know. Who else is Epstein? Is Epstein Big Pharma? Is Epstein Brian Singer? Is Epstein Naomi Campbell? Yep, all of the above. All of the above. Who is Epstein? Epstein is the keystone of a whole motherfucking matrix. And once you pull it out, once you pull it out, it all falls down. Dersh, Dersh was there too. That's right, we're dropping red pills every day. Dropping red pills in the best kind of way. This is brackets and jackets for the denizens of islands.
On August 10th, 2019, Jeffrey Epstein died in a New York prison cell as he awaited his trial on sex trafficking charges. It came more than a decade after his conviction for soliciting prostitution from a minor, for which he was registered as a sex offender. This time he was accused of running a vast network of underage girls for sex. Epstein in the past socialised with Prince Andrew, former President Bill Clinton and many Hollywood and political elites. I think Israel, using Mossad, were behind Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein and set up a pedo honeypot to get blackmail information on anyone in the United States in power that they could. There is reason to believe that Epstein's job was actually to entice powerful people within politics to have sex with young women, and then ultimately to entrap them, whether it's with photographs or hidden cameras or through other methods. For example, in an interview with Zev Shalev, former CBS News executive producer and award-winning investigative journalist for Narrative, the former senior executive for Israel's Directorate of Military Intelligence, Ari Ben-Menash claimed not only to have met Jeffrey Epstein and his alleged Madame, Ghislaine Maxwell, back in the 1980s, but that both Epstein and Maxwell were already working with Israeli intelligence during that time period. There are multiple allegations that Epstein was not only a pedo involved in the trafficking of children, but actually an intelligence agent as well. This isn't the only time defense organizations have been implicated in this type of activity. Keep in mind, there's potentially hundreds of military employees and contractors who may have bought child pornography online but haven't been prosecuted or even in some cases investigated. That's right, you heard me, child pornography. As many as 1,700 names, according to a U.S. Senator, on a list of 5,200 from an internet sting operation overlooked the first time around four years ago. Only now are they supposedly getting a second look and only after pressure from investigative reporters and the U.S. Senator you're about to hear from, Republican Charles Grassley. Pentagon porn story began in 2006. An immigration and customs enforcement child pornography sting operation called Project Flickr produced payment records of about 5,200 people, many of whom provided army or fleet zip codes or military email addresses. Subsequently, the Pentagon's investigative branch, DCIS, began going through the ICE list to identify who actually was a DOD employee or a contractor. The investigation, however, only ran for eight months and only cross-checked some 3,500 names for Pentagon ties, according to a senator. According to DCIS documents revealed in a Freedom of Information Act request, out of that 3,500, investigators uncovered 264 employees or contractors, including staffers for the Secretary of Defense and contractors at the NSA. Nine people had top security clearances. But only about 20% of those 264 people were completely investigated. Fewer still were prosecuted in about eight months. After about eight months, the entire probe was halted. It left about 1,700 names totally unchecked, 1,700 alleged kitty porn customers, an unknown number of whom may still work in some capacity for the Defense Department. Late last summer, after investigations by the Boston Globe and Yahoo News revealed the figures, a Pentagon spokesman promised to reopen the investigation, conceding that DCIS had stopped due to lack of resources. DCIS says it is now revisiting all 5,200 names, telling Senator Grassley's staff they've now identified 302 employees or staffers. The Pentagon's IG telling us, and I quote, any suggestion that the DOD Office of Inspector General or its criminal investigative arm, the DCIS, is not taking Operation Flickr and the issue of child pornography seriously is in error. Interesting to note that Epstein claimed he co-founded the Clinton Foundation when negotiating his plea deal. Epstein also had a painting of George W. Bush called War Games that featured the former president sitting on the floor of the White House playing with paper aeroplanes and two fallen Jenga towers, referencing the false flag attacks of 9-11. Speaking of Bush, do you remember where he was when the 9-11 false flag happened? 
I have spoken before about how the Luciferian elites use their predictive programming, and 9-11 really was a giant occult sacrifice from the deep state that they had planned for decades. So this painting could have been part of a ritual surrounding the events of 9-11, or more than likely just another in-house joke. Notice how the kids in this video are instructed to pronounce certain syllables and words like kite, must, hit, steal. Get ready to read all these words on this page without making a mistake. Look at the letter at the end and remember the sound it makes. Get ready, kite. Yes, kite. Get ready to read this word the fast way. Get ready, king. Yes, sound it out. Get ready. Kate. Sound it out. Get ready. Kate. What word? Kate. Yes, kit. Boys and girls, sound this word out. Get ready. Steal. What word? Steal. Yes, steal. Read these words the fast way. Get ready. Play. Yes, play. Get ready. Must. Yes, must. Let's read these words the fast way without making a mistake. Get ready. Kite. Yes, kite. Get ready. Kick. Yes, kick. Get ready. Steal. Yes, steal. Get ready. Play. Yes, play. Get ready. Must. Yes, must. discovered tunnels at Epstein's Island. This is the same Epstein that's sitting in prison right now for trafficking children. This is the same Epstein that's friends with Hillary and Bill Clinton. The same Epstein that's friends with Podesta, Jimmy Comet, the whole crew. This guy knew everybody, and it confirms what people have been suspecting for years, that the world's elites are secretly molesting and raping children, and we have the evidence of secret tunnels at Epstein's pedophile island as the people out there reference it, ladies and gentlemen. Now, in this top view, which is really interesting, we can actually see the leading edge of what has to be a stairwell down to a labyrinth underneath a maze ladies and gentlemen that's what we're looking at and we've got a bunch of other footage to look at as well this is bombshell ladies and gentlemen think of the pizzagate think of the podesta emails think of hillary for prison epstein's already there waiting to bring everybody with him ladies and gentlemen we just have to keep pushing this story because it's going to topple the establishment as we know it it's incredible the footage is incredible now we've got some other drone footage flying over the compound and it seems like everything is shuttered up. They're closed for business, ladies and gentlemen. And here's what else we discovered at this compound. Look at this. This spooks. This should spook everybody. They got an ambulance. They got an ambulance there. What for exactly, ladies and gentlemen? What's the ambulance going to do? Take it to the hospital on, on Epstein's Island? Oh, no. There's something else going on here. Who knows what they've trafficked into this island underneath, ladies and gentlemen. This is incredible. Imagine the circumstances where they need to carry people around in an ambulance out there in Epstein's Island. Are they bringing in corpses? Are corpses leaving, being transported to the crematorium? Ladies and gentlemen, what is going on on Epstein's Island? Epstein spent 29 million burying the tunnels underneath the temple, but phones were allowed in and people took pictures. Rachel Ray Chandler Guinness was born in 1988, but her origins are fairly hidden and information is pretty scarce. However, she's the daughter of the Chandler family that owned the Los Angeles Times. The family is divested of the paper today and not as powerful or prominent in LA high society as they used to be. But up to the 80s, they were super powerful. So Rachel is definitely part of the LA-based Hollywood media elite. Evidence shows that she was also raised in the world of child trafficking and the name Chandler is used as a code word for a child handler. Rachel graduated in 2005 from the Brentwood School in Los Angeles. Her first job was at the Standard Hotel, which is now known to be a front for child trafficking. She married Tom Guinness in 2012, who was a well-known stylist in the United Kingdom. Their first wedding was a family-only held event in Los Angeles, California. Vogue covered both weddings, her standard wedding in LA with her family and her shamanic wedding in the United Kingdom with her friends. 
Chandler started out as a sex slave working at the Standard Hotel in New York. She would partake in Purple Night, the colour representative of mind control, in the Boom Boom Room at the Standard Hotel. With her connections, she was able to fund her photography and DJ careers before establishing the Midland Agency. She worked with MC Squared, which was founded by Luke Brunel. And who do you think donated large sums of money to MC Squared and had children trafficked to them from MC Squared? The Midland Agency was co-founded by Rachel Chandler and Walter Pierce in September of 2016. The agency is publicly known as a casting and modeling agency based out of New York. They search for young talent, but the Midland Agency is a front that is used to attract new children and teens into the world of child trafficking. This becomes a common theme in the fashion, art and entertainment industries. Children that are shipped to or from North America become labeled as living art. There are also laws in place banning the inspection of shipping containers containing live art which allow for child trafficking on a global scale. The Clintons are not the only ones with connections to Chandler. Celebrities like Eminem, P. Diddy and others also have been seen with the underage Chandler. She also frequents California, New York, and the United Kingdom, which are all hotspots for child trafficking. Chandler is so well connected that she even has ties to the royal family, such as Prince Andrew. As a madame, she blackmailed several high-level people across the globe. Many can be found in the little black book from the Lolita Express from Epstein's plane. The Instagram account belonging to Rachel Chandler was quickly hidden around the same time the Pizzagate story broke. Luckily, anonymous users scored through her page and took screenshots before she deleted it. There are photos of children on Rachel's Instagram, including two children mimicking a satanic ritual. The account is mostly known for security camera images from beneath the temple on Little St. James Island. This links back to the Karis James story and the Jimmy Comet Instagram account we looked at in part 5. Rachel Chandler's mom is actually the co-founder of Nexium, Nancy Salzman. A Chandler is a child handler who specializes in trafficking underage models such as the one pictured. The images are silent, shot by a drone, posted on YouTube, and oddly mesmerizing. It's Jeffrey Epstein's private island in the Caribbean, a place seemingly befitting any self-proclaimed billionaire, but in this case, one who was also a convicted sex offender, facing fresh sex crime charges when he apparently killed himself early Saturday in a jail cell in New York. This island, say his accusers, was where young girls were brought from around the world to be used as sex slaves. 
Look closely and you'll see New York police and FBI agents raiding the place yesterday. Seen clearly through the window, computers packed in red bubble wrap, ready to go. Evidence freshly gathered, underlining the investigation into Epstein's world is far from over. As the lawyer for two of the women accusing Epstein told CBC News this morning, the number of Epstein's accusers is still growing. We've been hearing from more every day, and my team and I have been reviewing their cases, reviewing their evidence, their witnesses, vetting the whole process we go through uh, in every case. At the New York jail where Epstein reportedly hanged himself, two guards were today put on leave and the warden replaced in response to the death. But meanwhile, conspiracy theories live on. With word today, Epstein's death first came out, mysteriously enough, on 4chan, an online message board known for right-wing internet trolls. Then there's Donald Trump, seen here with Epstein in 92, who on the weekend retweeted the baseless suggestion Bill Clinton may have been involved in Epstein's demise. Today, he chose to emphasize Clinton flew on Epstein's private jet more than two dozen times. So you have to ask, did Bill Clinton go to the island? That's the question. If you find that out, you're going to know a lot. On the stage here, we have Glenn Maxwell, founder and president of the Terramar Project, a nonprofit whose mission is to create a global ocean community to protect and promote sustainable development of the ocean. Glenn is easily one of the smartest, most fascinating people I've ever met. This is proven by the fact that she holds a bachelor's and master's degree from Oxford University, is a private helicopter pilot, a trained EMT, a qualified ROV, which I had to look up what that was, and a deep worker submarine pilot, in addition to being fluent in four languages. This is what I had written down before I realized that she spoke at the UN nine times since the last time I saw her. So with that, I'd like to welcome Glenn Maxwell. Just that my speech today was leveraging technology to create a global ocean community. I'm going to change that on you, and I'm going to leverage technology to create a new country. Now, I know I speak with a funny accent, and so yes, I did say country, not company. I'm the founder of uh, an internet project called the Terramar Project. It's an ocean-based uh, digital platform to, uh, which I'm going to be talking to you about. I've become passionate about the ocean watching Jacques Cousteau on TV, and it led to a lifelong exploration around the ocean that ultimately ended with me becoming a deep worker submersible pilot. On one of my first submarine dives, I was absolutely so excited. I thought, my goodness, I'm going to see a new sea creature. I'm going to... And, uh, off I was, I went down into the deep, and I went down to over 1,500 feet. And at 1,500 feet, I switched on the lights, hoping to see a new mythical sea creature. But in fact, what I saw... So, I just want to ask everybody here a quick question. If I told you that you own something versus rent it, would you care for it more, look after it more if you owned it than if you didn't own it? Please, if you think that you'd look after something more if you owned it, raise your hands. Well, I think that's about 100%. So the good news is that I want to tell you that you actually own 45% of the planet. So let's quickly just look at this map. 71% of the planet is ocean. 64% of that ocean lies outside of any single country's jurisdiction. And under the law, that 64% of the ocean belongs to each and every one of you in this room. It's called your global commons. So the assets of that 64% are yours. The fish, the oil, the gas, the diamonds.
haven't done this in a while. It's been a long tour. I'm back in America. Despite all the jail stuff going on, I lost 30 pounds. I feel good. I just got my hair dead. I'm still the fastest kid in the world. I, we got a new piece. Never been done before. My Little Ponies with actual fucking hair, dude. Human fucking hair, dude, from a fucking human. With actual fucking hair, dude. Human fucking hair, dude, from a fucking human. From a fucking human. We fucking did it again. Shout out my big man Dan. Shout out my man Christian. Go, we did it. Here we go. It's a new trailer set. He's one of the council fathers and a speaker at Davos. The guys who are setting up the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, and the New World Order. He was one of them, ladies and gentlemen. They also vowed to put pressure on international organizations to help change the economic structures which they said exploit the poor. These are all points that are remarkably similar to Pope Francis's agenda for the church today. It's the same revolution. It's the same players, in fact. The Great Reset was indeed hatched in a catacomb beneath the streets of Rome at the close of the Second Vatican Council in 1965. It just took a while to get to the point politically where it is now. But it's the same movement. I met a priest uh, who was known at that time as the priest of the poor people. Uh, his name was Don Elder Kamara. One of the most profound moments in the life of Klaus Schwab was his meeting with, with the leader of the Catacombs Pact, celebrated in Rome, not only at the time, but during the Amazon Synod in 2019, when, by the way, the pagan idols of Pachamama were processed into the holiest place in Christendom, the holiest place of pilgrimage in Christendom, St. Peter's Basilica. The abomination of desolation was set up at that moment. And a few, months, a few months later, all the churches in the world would be locked down and lock their doors. <laughs> and we still haven't recovered from that. The United Nations Committee has issued a scathing indictment of the Catholic Church's handling of child sex abuses involving clerics. The report by the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child demanded that the Vatican take immediate action and hand over to criminal investigators any information on clerics known or suspected of abuse. It also condemned the so-called code of silence within the church and it puts the needs of hiding the scandals above the requirements for the exploited children. Quote, the Holy See has not acknowledged the extent of the crimes committed, has not taken the necessary measures to address cases of child sexual abuse and to protect children, and has adopted policies and practices which have led to the continuation of the abuse by and the impunity of the perpetrators. The United Nations has denounced the Vatican for adopting policies it says allowed priests to sexually abuse thousands of children over a period of decades. In a scathing report Wednesday, the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child said Pope Francis should remove all clergy who are known or suspected as child abusers. The UN watchdog also advised the Vatican to investigate those suspected of concealing the crimes and take them accountable. In response, the Vatican said it would review the report, but criticized the UN body for attempting to interfere with the teachings and values, interfere with the teachings and values. of the Catholic Church. The financial record of where all the money goes in the Vatican because they are a huge part of the global child sex trafficking ring. There's so much evil behind Catholicism. It's all about the money, and child sex trafficking is a $150 billion industry yearly. 8 million children disappear annually under the guise of sex trafficking. This huge cult has been around for centuries from what I've researched, so there is a huge cult that had to do with child sacrifice, and we don't have a clue. We have been so blinded by brainwashing that we don't even know what to believe anymore. The majority of the people don't even question anything. 
The news will tell you something and you'll say, oh, you know how much crazy shit is going on? How many executives and CEOs of huge multi-billion dollar, billion dollar corporations have stepped down within the last six months because they are all involved in this huge trafficking ring? International judges are examining evidence of child rape, torture, murder, and kidnapping allegedly done by global elite members of the Ninth Circle Satanic Child Sacrifice Cult Network. Regular Ninth Circle Child Sacrifices were said to take place in the catacombs of Catholic cathedrals, the Vatican, on private estates and groves, and government military bases in Belgium, Holland, Spain, Australia, Ireland, France, England, and the U.S. At least 34 child mass grave sites were identified in Ireland, Spain, and Canada and refused excavation by the respective governments, the Crown of England, and the Catholic Church. Named as present in Ninth Circle activities were Pope Francis, former Pope Ratzinger, Anglican, United Church of Canada, and Catholic Church officials, including cardinals, members of European royalty, including Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip, officials of the Canadian, Australian, UK, and U.S. military and governments, including the USA's CIA, plus prominent government ministers, judges, politicians, and businessmen from the U.S., Belgium, Holland, Canada, Australia, France, Ireland, and the UK. Teens were drugged, stripped naked, raped, hunted down in the woods, and killed by European royals, according to eyewitnesses to testify before the International Common Law Court of Justice in Brussels. One woman was the fourth eyewitness to give accounts about these human hunting parties of the global elite Ninth Circle Satanic Child Sacrifice Cult Network. A former member of the Netherlands criminal drug syndicate known as Octopus testified that victims were obtained for these human hunting parties from juvenile detention centers in Belgium and Holland. One woman stated, quote, in 2004, I was an involuntary witness to torture, rape, and murder sessions of drugged children performed for a group of high-ranked people of the Netherlands. I was taken to a hunting party in Belgium, close to Brussels, where I saw two boys and a girl, ages 14 to 16, hunted and killed by global elites. The human hunting party was heavily guarded by the Netherlands Royal Guards. I was told that King Albert of Belgium was present. Four eyewitnesses confirmed that as children and youths, they were forced to attend human hunting parties where they and other children were raped, with some killed, and deceased boys' penises were cut off. Allegedly, there was a Dutch countryside palace where boys' penises were displayed like trophies on a wall. Some hunting parties were hosted on the grounds of Netherlands at Queen Beatrix's palace. Dutch therapist Tuz Nijenwees claimed that as a four-year-old, she was forced to witness murders of children that involved former Pope Ratzinger, a Dutch Catholic cardinal, 
plus the father of Netherlands Queen Beatrix and Bilderberger founder, Dutch Crown Prince Elfrink Bernard. Quote, I saw the former Pope Joseph Ratzinger murder a little girl. One witness confirmed this. It was a French chateau in the fall of 1987. It was ugly, horrible, and didn't happen just once. Ratzinger and Bernard were some of the more prominent men who took part. In Ireland, Spain, and Canada, 34 child mass gravesites were discovered and appeared linked to Ninth Circle activities. The largest was the Mohawk Indian Residential School in Brantford, Ontario, where child remains were identified in 2008 before the Catholic Church, Canadian government, and English Crown shut down the dig by professional archaeologists. The 2013 ICLCJ court had found Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip guilty for the October 10, 1964 disappearance of 10 native children from the Catholic Residential School in Kamloops, British Columbia. In the first two weeks of the 2014, court witnesses identified Dutch and Belgium royal participants in the rape and killing of Mohawk children and newborns. Named were Bernard and King Hendrik, consort to Queen Wilhelmina of Holland. Alleged to be present during the human hunting parties were the late Prince John Friso and his wife Mabel Wees Smith, former ministers, the top man of the Dutch army, the undersecretary of the Rod van State in the Netherlands, the viceroy next to Queen Beatrix and other global business and political leaders including some from the U.S. One eyewitness said, surely the present King Wilhelm Alexander and Prince Philip and their wives know about this abuse and murder of children. They do nothing about it and are likely the ones to stop investigations and prosecutions. In January 2014, the brother of the King of Holland, Prince John Friso, passed away in a coma after these three Dutch language websites reached the internet. The websites revealed that Friso was at the human hunting and killing parties. An eyewitness said the story came on the internet after years of trying to move the policy and justice department in the Netherlands to act against the criminals. Nobody did anything to stop these criminals, probably because Queen Beatrix and King Albert likely interfered with the investigations. Human hunting parties were said to take place on the grounds of Belgium Queen Beatrix's palace in the Netherlands. Two witnesses have named former Pope Joseph Ratzinger and Queen Beatrix's father, the deceased Prince Alfred Bernard, as being present at child sacrifices. Both were said to be Nazi sympathizers. The ICLCJ court received a collection of Jesuit archival records about a child sacrificial cult known as the Knights of Darkness. In 1933, the Knights were established by the Catholic Jesuits and Nazi Waffen SS Division. The record showed Ratzinger was identified as a member of the Knights while working as an SS chaplain's assistant at the Ravensbrück concentration camp in Germany. The records also stated that Ratzinger participated in child sacrificial rites using kidnapped children from the camps or political prisoners. Another court document called the Magisterial Privilege indicated child sacrifice was a regular occurrence at the Vatican. At the tender age of 12, Zvali of San Diego County, California claimed she was brought to catacombs beneath the Vatican 
to witness the sacrifice of a three-year-old drugged boy. Recently, an Irish police investigator reported to the ICLCJ court that the close to 800 babies buried in a Catholic nun's septic tank were dismembered, decapitated, and in bits and pieces, signs that they could have been murdered in satanic child sacrificial rites. In recent months, the ICLCJ court has heard these heart-wrenching testimonies about the rape, torture, and murder of children as recently as 2010 by Catholic leaders, European royal family members, and other global elites. Murder sites of the Ninth Circle Satanic Child Sacrifice Cult were said to be in the catacombs of Catholic cathedrals, including the Vatican, and on private estates, military establishments, and groves in Belgium, Holland, Spain, Australia, France, England, and the U.S. The ICLCJ court has been overwhelmed with newly discovered evidence and a number of new witnesses coming forward to testify about the Ninth Circle Satanic Child Sacrifice Cult activities. They have uncovered Ninth Circle Satanic Child member possible involvement in international child sacrifice, kidnapping, exploitation, and drug rings. The five international judges and 27 jury members are expected to remain in session for at least another year due to the complexity of the cases. Amnesty has been offered to citizens or employees of the Vatican, the Crown of England, churches or governments willing to give sworn testimony or evidence that leads to the prosecution of these global elites suspected of committing crimes. Rewards of up to 10,000 euros or around 13,660 U.S. dollars was available through the ICLCJ court. The ICLCJ court had over 450 common law peace officers in 13 countries with 51 local chartered groups operating. Local organizing funds were available for common law groups that applied through the International Tribunal into crimes of church and state. It is when we are born, then we enter the program of this world. And this is not a new program, it's a very old program. It's a Luciferian program. That means they start to raise us up through our beloved father and mother, if you have one, in a program to end up in the slavery system we have. Because we are just a source to use. We are the value, we are the light, and they want to suck it completely. Like screwing the orange completely, sucking everything out, throw it away. They put you in the vaccine programs with a lot of chemicals to damage your immune system. It's in the um, school system. It's everywhere to be the perfect slave. There is another thing, and that's more about my story. When I was uh, born, just a bit later on, I started to discover that I was born in a family with a father and mother who were heavily damaged during the Second World War. So these were not real developed people, they were heavily damaged. And because of that, my, uh, my first nine years on Earth were that heavy that I start to realize that if there is a heaven and earth, I was born in hell. Because it was not heaven on earth at all. It was hell. 
my mother was not able to defend me and my father figured out that he could, couldn't hit my mother she was so heavily abused and damaged that it doesn't matter for her so to hit her I was the one the firstborn I was on both sides as a child and later as a, a perpetrator and I was full of hate meaning full of poison and I was ready to go in this world to destroy every human being I can get a hold of, a grip of I developed myself in a criminal way covered by shiny import, export and so on start playing with, well I played the Hollywood show like the succeeded businessman when I was 20 and then one of the guys in Brussels said hey why don't you go into money trading and uh, it could be a nice career for you there was one condition a warning ahead you have to put your conscience in the freezer in minus 100 degrees and I said no problem <laughs> hey I'm nearly dead so so after all these assignments they start to spot you like hey here's a bright guy he's always knowing his way like hustling here hustling there playing with the rules and then they start to invite you more and more for higher assignments and then you start to work for banks independent you're doing the dirty work for central banks for multinationals for governments for what they call now terrorist uh, organizations and all secret services hey secret services yes and then on top like the peach or the fruit of the cake churches wow you get the whole palette where the money floats the big money and you get the invitation to join in these circles to move all the money they want to move worldwide to start wars to start all the misery in this planet and if we have all the ships this energy containers they use only to suck if they are asleep fine you can do whatever you want this is also the mentality of the elite well they are not elite <laughs> they are not elite the people I worked for in the end of the days you're talking roughly about eight eight and a half thousand people on this world who run the show and they are like they are like who I was completely afraid nearly dead filling up the holes daily never enough surfing the monster of greed the monster of more and there comes Lucifer in, in the end my turning point was that I was so good in everything I did with my team that I was in their opinion ready for the last stage to be invited and um, sacrifice of children that hits me that was really going through my bunker I couldn't handle it it was hitting me like hell I didn't go there and I start to malfunction and my whole career falls apart they notice this then they start to take me out of the system for a while start torching me 
and they want because everything was in offshore they want everything back because I own them because I made everything through them and they kept reminding me on the contract I signed I didn't sign with blood if I was signing with blood that was the next stage I was dead already then I was for another eight years completely off the screen hiding in several countries on fake identities and after the period of nine years because I even we have the agreements even I gave them all what they want I was still um, afraid um, because they promised me to kill the whole bloodline so my my wife and my children in that time were also escaping also hiding but separate from me um, so so in nine, nine years being undercover completely
I have seen wealthy aristocratic white women ordering children of color on menus to be delivered, dead, cooked on platters in a wing of the place they call a cannibal's kitchen. The reason I'm alive and the reason I survived is because I was born with a terrorized crime family involved with the CIA defense operation. And I have genetics, the family background, to be a candidate for perpetration, for continuing the cycle of violence, being one of the quote-unquote leaders or members of the group involved. So I was kept alive. Her experimentation was like one for use. Now the right people, just like all of you, will start to come forward and say, they said children, I ain't gonna wait for the rest of this conversation. The f*** you mean there are children being abused by grown-ass people, eaten and beaten and chewed on like they pieces of chicken? The hell are you talking about? There should be that energy for the children who didn't get a childhood. There should be that much energy for the children, like that little girl, that six-year-old little girl that they found 30 men's semen in her body at the border. She was six. She was six. They, they found 30. Let me help you out. 30 men had sex, didn't have sex. They raped this child. They ejaculated in her body. They took turns on her. She was six. So for those of you who need an actual layman turns, break that down. They raped her to the point they murdered her and then they left her body at the border. Didn't even give a about throwing her somewhere. Didn't give a about her body being eaten up by animals. Didn't give a about the smell of her body deteriorating didn't put her in the ground didn't put her in any water they just left her there after they came in her 30 of them she was sick do you want to get to government this? is complicit in sex trafficking yeah, sending we can't the kids the sex trafficking you got i mean i can never get shit here like the sex is unbelievable yeah. Before I hit the ground floor, remember he said, he said, I'm going to take out those racist Mexicans. <laughs> and he claimed, no, that, this, there's never been a president. That's a lie, Joe. That's a lie. Oh, it is a lie. Yeah. And it was your son in the Ukraine. посвящена новым фактам разоблачения международной коррупции и внешнего управления Украины. Именно за утечки информации сегодняшней пресс-конференции, именно на прошлой неделе было объявлено о наложении на меня санкций политиками из Министерства США и подаче сенатора из Демократической партии. Они очень не хотели, чтобы мы обнародовали то, что мы сегодня Но пресс-конференции не отказались, на кону государственной независимости и суверенитет Украины. 
главная возможность на основании документов, фактов, вещественных доказательств и теперь еще показаний свидетелей вернуть миллиарды средств украинским гражданам. Вопрос касательно санкций я обязательно сегодня прокомментирую, но хотел бы отметить следующее. Демокоррупционеры действительно очень боятся. И поэтому каждое слово, которое будет сегодня нами озвучено, подкреплено документами, цифрами и шокирующими записями. С каждым новым фактом, новой записью, новой проводкой по счетам мы убеждаемся, что внешнее управление и международная коррупция – это сиамские близнецы с множеством лиц, высших государственных чинов, олигархов, схемщиков и многих других персонажей, которые вернут украинскому народу. Что сегодня будет обновлено? Доказательства вывода через финансовые ямы, миллионов долларов, украинского украинского открытых с помощью банков и моря различных юрисдикций, последующими перечислениями их на счета компании «Семи Новые записи разговора пятого президента Украины Петра Порошенко и экс-вице-президента США Джо Байдена, свидетельствующие о внешнем управлении. Также мы обнародуем колоссальные коррупционные оборудки на закупках угля и газа, из-за которых украинцы платят на треть выше коммунальные тарифы. В этих оборудках участвовали на тот момент высшие должностные лица Now who's getting that money, Sheriff? The cartels. The cartels. So, so when I was a few years ago, of course, we talk about inflation, the money we print, everything's going up. But a few years ago, I heard it was four thousand dollars just south of the southern border, and then the Triangle Nations further south. We had a price for Syria of up to twenty thousand dollars. Are y'all seeing some high prices from other countries around the globe as well? That's my understanding, yes, sir. When you're looking at Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, Russia, Russia has been an increase. I think border patrol roughly seventy a day. What's the price on a Russian now coming across the border? I wouldn't think that it would be that much. I, I would imagine. I, I don't know. I haven't heard the Russian price. I, I, we actually see some Chinese nationals in the Sheriff's Department in Texas, and it was $80,000 each. Folks, they're not coming here to do us any favors, just so you know. But, uh, Sheriff, my question now, you said that, so we got a price. What about if somebody, if you guys heard, and maybe other law enforcement officers would know too, what if they don't have the money to pay the cartel? What are the options there? So the option is, is that they are, it's indentured servitude, slavery. They're going to be sent to a certain location. And I found pieces of paper down on the border that list the location that they were to go to. And that's where they will work off their debt, depending on what you're capable of doing. Wait, wait, wait now, Sheriff. So you're telling me that Biden's policies on the southern border are actually creating American or slaves from around the globe. Is that correct? Correct. The doctor showed me during the post-mortem that that little girl was sodomized and every open mission that happened. When they came out, the criminal number one was sick. Cartel members demanded that. The process. That's happening on the border of each other every day in this administration.
Whistleblower says HHS is knowingly placing children brought over the border illegally with criminals and sex traffickers. The number of unaccompanied children at the southern border skyrocketed in recent years, 130,000 in fiscal year 2022. That's nearly double what it was a few years prior. The federal government gets sponsors to take unaccompanied children from, from, from Mexico, Guatemala, and put them in addresses. And she says that the government knew these children were being trafficked. And she brought it to the attention of one of her colleagues there at Health and Human Services in the federal government. And she was told by this government official uh, that the car, we don't get sued by the cartels, so don't, there's nothing that we can do about this. So this whistleblower came to Project Veritas, very brave woman, blew the whistle on the whole program, children being trafficked. Um, we are undercover journalists went to these addresses in Texas, interviewed the people at the addresses, and these young girls admitted to us they were being pimped out by their sponsors. Former White House advisor says Biden admin is running the epicenter of child trafficking. Hello and welcome back to Planet Nibiru. Today we are going to be discussing the Black Death Group and why they are such a danger to today's society. A few days ago I ran across an article about the Black Death Group and I started doing some research on them and this is what I found. The Black Death Group is a shadowy deep web network that is believed to have been set up in Eastern Europe and is allegedly carrying out kidnappings, extortion, and executions across Europe and the United States. They have been named as a sinister human trafficking syndicate who kidnaps and sells young women online as sex slaves. Interpol has been investigating recent crimes, including several murders that they believe to be linked to the Black Death Group. At one murder scene, they found a piece of paper that they believe shows the group's logo. They believe it was left on purpose as a calling card for the murder. Interpol officer Valery Antonishak says that the crimes attributed to this group are particularly heinous, such as the kidnapping of British model Chloe Ailing, who was drugged, handcuffed, and stuffed into luggage for six days as she was transported to a small farmhouse in the countryside of Italy, where she awaited sale on the dark web. Among the dozens of shell companies the Biden set up, there were millions of dollars of wire transfers, flights on Air Force Two to conduct personal business, and meetings with heads of state, all while Joe Biden was aware of what was happening. All the while, he turned a blind eye. Many transactions related to these businesses have raised red flags at U.S. banks. A suspicious activity report, or SAR, is a document a bank must file with the Treasury Department when a transaction is suspected to be related to money laundering or fraud or other types of criminal activity. According to media reports, the Biden family accumulated over 150 SARs. One SAR generated by an American bank to the Treasury Department connects Hunter Biden and his business associates to international human trafficking, among other illegal activities. The money that was being made from foreign principals in the same room as Joe Biden was increasingly spent on furthering illegal activity. The SARS show that Hunter Biden was conducting business with suspected human traffickers. The money gained through influence peddling was, function, was funneled to a suspected criminal enterprise, again, one linked to human trafficking. Pentagon calls them bio-research labs and containment labs and claim their clandestine operation is all somehow in self-defense. But they are admittedly creating and storing weaponized biological material. And so these biolabs are in violation of Article 1 of the Prohibition on Biological Weapons. During the past couple years, citizens of the world have been getting an advanced education on bioweapons. And the very same crooks we see foisting the Great Reset medical tyranny are involved in the Ukrainian bioweapons labs. This is all being paid for with tax dollars through the Pentagon's Defense Threat Reduction Agency, the DTRA. U.S. company Black & Veatch has been working closely with the DTRA building bioweapons labs since 2003. Black & Veatch share an office in Kiev with Metabiota, who signed an $18.4 million contract with Black & Veatch in 2014. 
Metabiota got their start in 2015 with funding from Hunter Biden's Rosemont Seneca Technology Partners, who gave Metabiota $30 million to help protect the world from the spread of epidemics. This is the very same Rosemont Seneca that was mysteriously wired $3.5 million from the wife of the former mayor of Moscow. And the very same Metabiota partnered with Peter Daszak's EcoHealth Alliance, the group that Dr. Fauci used to funnel money to the Wuhan lab for gain-of-function research in 2014. In 2014, Metabiota, EcoHealth Alliance, and the Wuhan Institute of Virology were together researching infectious diseases deriving from Chinese bats. Metabiota is working with known CIA front InQtel. It is funded by the U.S. Department of Defense, the NIH, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, Google, and the National Geographic Society. Metabiota's founder, Nathan Wolf, sits on the board of EcoHealth Alliance and is a member of DARPA's Defense Science Research Council. In 2012, he wrote a book titled The Viral Storm, The Dawn of a New Pandemic Age, wherein he thanked his friends, pedophile Jeffrey Epstein and biotech venture capitalist Boris Nikolic. Boris Nikolic was named Jeffrey Epstein's successor executor upon his death. Wolf has also been seen hanging out with Ghislaine Maxwell on multiple occasions. He is also one of Klaus Schwab's young global leaders, trained on how to enact the Great Reset Agenda being directed by the World Economic Forum. Russia claims the Pentagon has... Excuse the point of personal privilege here. I, uh, I had two cranial aneurysms, and they literally had to take the top of my head off. I mean, you take a saw and they cut your head off and, and go in to find the artery. One was leaking, the other that hadn't before it burst. There's this, those of you in docs know there's a, every, every, profession, every profession has their sick jokes. The joke among, among docs is, how do you know someone's had an aneurysm, cranial aneurysm? On the autopsy table. Only 20% of the people haven't even get to the table. Well, one of the fascinating things is, in the second operation, after the first one, which was bleeding again, you're relatively low chance of surviving. I remember going down the dock, asking the doc, you know, you're counting the ceiling tiles, and you're heading in the operating room, a lot of you've been there. And uh, I said, Doc, what, what are my chances? I two great neurosurgeons. And I'll never forget, I will not mention his name, he's one of the leading neurosurgeons in the, in the, in the world. Um, he said, uh, Senator, for mortality or morbidity? And I'm thinking, <laughs> I swear to God. I'm thinking, oh, gee, you know, like, well, I said, let me put it this way. It was a long road to the operating room. I said, it's just an absolutely true story. I said, what are my chances of getting off this table? and being completely normal. He said, well, your chances of living are a lot better. <laughs> and I said, okay, what are they? He said, well, they're, they're, they're in the 35 to 50% range. And I thought, well, seriously, we're not in this. I said, well, hell, that means 35 out of 100, 50 out of 100 make it. I, said, well, I might as well be the one. I said, what's the most likely thing that will happen if I, uh, if I live? He said, well, the side of the brain that the first part of the first aneurysm is on controls your ability to speak. <laughs> and I thought, why the hell didn't they tell me this before the 88 campaign? Uh, it could have saved us all a lot of trouble, you know what I mean? You're talking about all these things you're going to do, and you're going to do this, but you were there just a short time ago, and you guys did nothing. We did. You know, Joe, I, I ran because of you. I ran because of Barack Obama, because you did a poor job. If I thought you did a good job, I would have never run. I would have never run. I ran because of you. I'm looking at you now. You're a politician. I ran because of you. All right, Vice President Biden, your response to that, and then I do have some yeah. questions for both of you. Well, I'll tell you what. I, uh, I hope he does look at me, because what's happening here is you know who I am. You know who he is. You know his character. You know my character. 
You know our reputations for honor and telling the truth. I am anxious to have this race. I am anxious to see this take place. I am the character of the country is on the ballot. Our character is on the ballot. Look at us closely. Let me ask some folks, please respond if to that. We're going to have follow-up. If this is true about Russia, Ukraine, China, other countries, Iraq, if this is true, then he's a corrupt politician. Right. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby. Joe, they're calling you a corrupt politician. Nobody. Hey, President Trump, I want to stay hell. on the issue of race. We're talking about the issue. from hell. President Trump, Nobody. we're talking about race right now, and I do want to stay on the issue of race. President Trump, I have to respond to that. Please, because look, very there are 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that this is has all the care Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? Hey, that's exactly it. what, this that's exactly what this is going. where he's going. The laptop right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Russia. I want to stay on the issue of race. You okay? have to be kidding. Here Mr. we go President. again with Russia. Today I am proud to endorse Joe Biden for President of the United States. <laughs> files reveals, quote, how the FBI and intelligence community discredited factual information about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings both after and before the New York Post revealed the contents of the laptop for a day and then it was sidelined. Remember, the FBI obtained the laptop in December of 2019 after first being after first contacted by a computer repair person, John Paul Mac Eisen. Well, is refusing to say who bought Hunter Biden's recently sold stake in a Chinese firm. This despite critics demanding transparency from the White House, saying the president's son and his business dealings raise huge ethics concerns. Listen to this exchange from yesterday's briefing. Shortly after President Biden's uh, virtual meeting with the Chinese president, uh, the first son's attorney said that he has finally invested from a Chinese investment fund controlled by state-owned entities. I was hoping you could commit to uh, basic transparency about that transaction, including the name of the buyer, the dollar amount, and the timing. The president's son is not an employee of the federal government, so I'd point you to his representatives. The FBI, I think, basically came to us, and some, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, that's similar to that. So just be vigilant. Fewer people saw it than would have otherwise. So it definitely by what percentage? I, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 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 meaningful. Well, the investigation is being led, as you may know, by a U.S. attorney appointed in the last administration out of Delaware, and the FBI is actively supporting and working with that U.S. attorney on that investigation. But the whistleblowers are telling these lawmakers that there was an internal effort to shut down the investigation from the beginning. Have you found that? I have not found anything like that. When asked about whether the administration's conflict of interest in the matter might affect the investigation into Hunter Biden, Garland said this. Indicate that the Justice Department and the FBI had at one time over a dozen sources that provided potentially criminal information relating to Hunter Biden. The alleged volume and similarity of the information would demand that the Justice Department investigate the truth and accuracy of the information. According to uh, what's accordingly, what steps has the Justice Department taken to determine the truth and accuracy of information provided? Uh, Congress and the American people, I think, have a right to know. 
Um, so as the committee well knows from my confirmation hearing, I promise uh, to leave, I promise to leave the matter of Hunter Biden in the hands of the U.S. Attorney uh, for the District of Delaware, who was appointed uh, in the police administration. So any information like that should have gone, uh, or should or should have uh, gone to that U.S. Attorney's offices and the FBI squad that's working uh, with him. I have pledged not to interfere uh, with that investigation, and I uh, have carried through our Two years ago, Schiff stated the emails found from Hunter Biden were all whole smear on Joe Biden comes from the criminal. That's what the head of the intel said. But if you recall, Jonathan Turley has an article written, I believe in October 2020, after Schiff said this to the American public. Remember, the election's in November. But the director of national intelligence, John Radcliffe, said no, that's not the case. That there is no intelligence out there to base it upon what Adam Schiff as the chair of the Intel Committee, was telling the country. What did we just find out yesterday from the New York Times? Yes, it is Joe Biden's laptop. And yes, Adam Schiff lied to us one more time. Why is he still chair of the committee? And why is he even on the committee? The new Congress, if it's a new majority, he will not be. You cannot make this committee political. You cannot use it as a position of a chairman to lie. And you should be focused on what the American people want you to be focused on around the world. How did you miss Afghanistan collapsing? How did you miss Ukraine? How have you missed every single part? Why? Because you're out lying about an impeachment and everything. My name is Stu Peters. The FBI's raids on Project Veritas prove what previously seemed insane and unthinkable. Ashley Biden's diary is real. She really did take inappropriate sexual showers with her own dad, Joe Biden. And she really believes she was molested by older men as a young girl. But if it can happen to the daughter of a sitting U.S. Senator, it can happen to anybody. It's just a matter of the authorities choosing to take it seriously instead of dismissing it all, or worse, being involved. Thank you very much. And if you put me back in the White House, their reign is over. Their reign will be over. And they know it. And America will be a free nation once again. We're not a free nation right now. We don't have free press. We don't have free anything. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. Not going to let it happen. I will totally obliterate the deep state. I will fire. fire the unelected bureaucrats and shadow forces who have weaponized our justice system like it has never been weaponized before. Sick. These are sick people. And I will put the people back in charge of this country again. The people will be back in charge of our country. The Biden 
Biden administration is the most corrupt administration in American history. Hunter Biden is a criminal and nothing happened to him. Nothing happened. Joe Biden is a criminal and nothing ever seems to happen to him. Because, you know, say what you want, but the Democrats stick together. They don't have Mitt Romney. Sometimes you have to put the pieces of the puzzle in order so you can see the bigger picture. Hopefully, many people can see now. I will be removing this from YouTube and Rumble once it ends. It's on Locals, and I'll put it up later. At a time where I won't be banned or deleted. To all of you, I will be... This video, just so you know, was created over, I think it's two weeks ago. The deep dive on Jim Clapper, James Clapper, well, one of the two that's going to perp, is going to be premiering tomorrow at some point. I have guests coming in, so I've got to go. Tata, have a great day. Timber. Swing my heart across the line in my face of flashing signs. Seek it out and you shall find. Oh, but I'm not that old, young, but I'm not.